It's the day after the 4th of July, and hopefully you still have as many fingers and toes as you had on July 3rd. And actually, hopefully I do too, but that's a different conversation. Today we're going all in on tablets, so let's get to it. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Hello and welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and I gotta tell you, I picked the wrong week to not do news. YouTube TV is going up to $65 a month? Good golly, Miss Molly. We are going to talk about that. Maybe next week, maybe later than that. But this week, we're talking about tablets. And we're going to start off with a look at a sort of showdown between two excellent tablets on the market. And unlike some other publications, I'm going to give you a clear winner between the two. After that, we're going to do our full review of the Amazon Fire HD 8 Plus tablet and charging dock. It's all just tablets, tablets, tablets all the time here on the podcast. And we're going to start with our showdown, the Lenovo Duet versus the iPad 7th generation, not Pro. In the world of tablets, there's basically the iPad, and then there's everyone else. And everyone else, well, they kind of suck. At least that's what I used to think. But then I got my hands on the Lenovo tablet, and just... Damn! Now... I'd heard a lot of great things about the Lenovo Duet, a lot of which came from Chrome Unboxed, who, by the way, has yet to return my emails, so if you're a fan over there, you know, give them a poke for me. But getting back to the topic on hand, I'd heard that the Lenovo Duet was a really great Chrome tablet, and so I really wanted to give it a look, and right off the bat, I was impressed. And I'll be honest, as a reviewer, I probably form about 80% of my opinion of a device in the first hour or so, 90% in the first 24 hours, which is why in the first 24 hours, I decided I was going to be doing a comparison between the iPad and the Lenovo Duet. I'm going to pit the two against each other in seven different categories, screen, design, productivity, entertainment, performance, extras, and value. So who's the big winner? Well, I'm not going to tell you now because then you just press stop and that's not going to help anyone, but I can tell you I'm typing this script on the overall winner, or at least a part of it. Truthfully, I write scripts over a period of two or three days, and I can pick up just about any device to type on, hashtag cloud life, hashtag living in the cloud. But this particular passage was written on the device in question, so enough foreplay. Let's just dive in, shall we? Our first category is the screen, and it should be because that's what a tablet is. From a strictly resolution standpoint, the iPad is going to take the cookie. The iPad has Apple's patented Retina display, you can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes, which weighs in at 2160 by 1620 versus a Duet with a 1920 by 1200 resolution. In terms of brightness, the iPad also wins at 500 nits versus the Duet's 400. Both are multi-touch and support pen input with the Gen 1 Apple Pencil for the iPad and any USI stylus on the Duet, so that's pretty even. While I prefer the 16 by 9 aspect ratio on the Duet versus the 4 by 3 on the iPad, overall I have to give the nod to the iPad in this category. It's brighter, sharper, and generally prettier with better color saturation. But now, let's talk about design. 
Have you ever seen an iPad? Like ever, literally any iPad? Okay, then you know what the design is. Giant bezels, fingerprint sensor on the front, and it's thin. But aside from that, the design on the iPad Not Pro has not changed much since the original iPad. A slightly thinner bezel here, a missing switch there. It's basically the same. The Lenovo Duet, however, is quite nice. There are slimmer bezels on the sides, while only slightly thicker top and bottom. On the back is a dual-colored affair with a dark gray aluminum on the bottom. Lenovo calls this iron gray with a strip of ice blue, again Lenovo branding, across the top. Add to that, Lenovo includes a material-covered backplate with kickstand that attaches magnetically. The keyboard, which is also included in the box, is a fairly boring gray color, and due to the soft rubber hinge that attaches the keyboard to the tablet, the keyboard is slightly misaligned with the screen. It's a minor design point, but it certainly does detract overall from a design. But, considering the various materials involved and the utility of a design, this category goes solidly in Lenovo's camp. This is not an awe-inspiring design, but it's also not the same old boring design of four iPhones duct-taped together. So let's talk about productivity. Both tablets struggled to do a split-screen interface with one window on each side. In the case of Chrome OS, you need to drag a window to the side, kind of like Windows 10. On the iPad, you have to swipe up from the bottom to bring up your dock, and then tap and hold on the app that you want the second screen on, and then drag it to the side you want it on. The thing is, neither one is very good at it. The iPad UI just plain sucks, and the Chrome OS works... But it isn't very intuitive. Plus, I've never been to hell, but I'm pretty sure in hell you have to have three Chrome windows open, one on the left, one on the right, and then a full screen one, and then you have to shift between them constantly. It's not awesome. Both operating systems have some work to do here. Google Docs works great on both devices, and you can install Office on either one. That is, assuming you remember that you can install the Android app for Office on the Chromebook. To be honest, I kind of forgot about that until about two weeks in, but that's only because I use Google Docs for everything, so, you know, whatevs, bro. But there is one key differentiator that makes one device better than the other in productivity. Put simply, the iPad is just a tablet when you pull it out of the box. That means virtual keyboard, which literally no one wants to spend any time on when that keyboard takes up half the screen. The multitasking introduced into iOS, now called iPad OS doesn't really matter. The windowed interface of the Chromebook plus the keyboard and kickstand in the box are solid wins for Lenovo. The Duet is a great productivity machine, though the keyboard is, you know, not my favorite. It's not bad, but yeah, it's not that great. So let's talk about entertainment. Both tablets are really great when it comes to the app ecosystem, screen, battery life, and more. In general, the iPad speakers are louder, which helps greatly, and gives the iPad a slight edge. Add to that that iPad apps are generally better optimized for the tablet experience than Android apps. The kickstand and detachable keyboard do give the Duet some points in this category, but not enough to topple Apple in this humble reviewer's opinion, so the iPad gets the nod here. Now, let's talk about performance. On the face of things, it's really hard to decide which tablet is faster. Now, that being said, I apparently don't engage in very high-impact type of activities because Geekbench strenuously objects with me. Shall we pull out numbers? Let's pull out the numbers. iPad. 756 single-core test, 1361 multi-core test. Compared to Lenovo, well... 
Let's just say not that, and the first number started with a two. Ouch. But that isn't really the core problem here. The Lenovo performs just fine for things like Clash Royale and working with documents, Call of Duty Mobile, stuff like that. But, and this is a major problem that I have with the device, the Lenovo Duet seems to have a problem with inertia, and that's not a technical term, so allow me to explain. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. And the same is true for the Lenovo tablet. If a device is sleeping, it takes forever to wake up. It takes several seconds from the time you press the power button to wake the tablet until the time when you can actually enter your passcode. Speaking of which, the fingerprint sensor on the iPad is gold, but we'll get to that. Similarly, if you have a movie playing on the tablet and you need to wake it up to pause it, the movie just keeps going for a second or two before the pause actually kicks in. And I suspect this has to do with the MediaTek processor that powers the Lenovo. It's not a major concern, but it's my biggest concern with this tablet, so it's worth noting. At any given time, the iPad just does what you tell it to do when you tell it to do it. There's no lag nor stutter ever. Moving on to extras and other general test notes, the fingerprint sensor on the iPad is wonderful to have. From waking up to unlocking to just returning to the home screen, the fingerprint sensor slash home button does it all. On the Duet, you can tie your Android phone to the tablet so that when your phone is unlocked, so is the tablet. I found that works maybe half the time, and it's no substitute for having a fingerprint sensor on the device itself. Meanwhile, on the Duet, the ability to have... Whatever configuration you want is awesome. Whether you want a full-on computer, just a tablet, a tablet with a kickstand, the Lenovo can do it all. The versatility of the USB Type-C connector on the Duet is awesome, while the iPad is still stuck on the Lightning connector. Chrome OS's ability to switch between desktop mode and tablet mode is pretty seamless, and you don't get that on the iPad. It only has one mode. Task switching on both devices is pretty easy, but what I like about the iPad is that the two apps in split screen become a single task in the multitasking menu, which is great for popping out to do some research and then popping back in. In this case, I have to give the nod to the iPad. And finally, we get to value, and this is a complete no-brainer. It's the Lenovo all the way. The Lenovo is selling for anywhere between $250 to $300. The iPad starts at $309, and that's if you go to the educator's store. Forget about a case, forget about a keyboard. That's just the device itself. The Lenovo Duet comes with a case, and with a kickstand, and a removable keyboard, in the box for less than the iPad. The Lenovo may actually see security updates for as long or longer than the iPad, and this thing is no joke. It's a shockingly good device for under $300. The Verge's review headline is that the Lenovo Duet has no business being as inexpensive as it is. Link in the show notes. So in terms of value, there's really no contest. So that must be the device that I'm running this comparison on, right? Well, actually, I wrote most of it on my iPad. The Lenovo Duet is a great device, and especially once you factor in cost, the extras that come with it, it's downright amazing. But the Duet is a first-generation device, and it still has a few kinks to work out. 
If you're looking for a productivity tablet, the iPad, with a keyboard that will cost you extra, and by all means, buy the Bridge keyboard that I talked about a few weeks ago, also link in the show notes. But anyway, that iPad with a keyboard can basically do anything the Lenovo can do, and in some cases, it does it a little bit better. But once Lenovo has been able to take feedback from customers and reviewers, I'm positive that it can make a better 2.0 product. There is no better start that Lenovo could have asked for with this first generation of a device. I sincerely hope that Lenovo doubles down on this design and function and price in this awesome package. I will be the first in line to put it through its paces. And I don't want you to think that the Duet is lacking. It's really not. It just needs that polish that Apple has had seven generations of device to figure out. If you want to pick up this device, I will not point at you and laugh. I might point at you and laugh if you go with a Pixelbook Go or a Samsung Thousand Buck Book or whatever it's called, because... That's just too much hardware for most people. The Lenovo Duet can stand toe-to-toe with those devices and cost one-half or even one-third of the price, and it's frankly a bit crazy to consider that those other options are out there when this device exists. This is hands-down my favorite non-iPad tablet ever, full stop. And in time, it will kick ass. It just needs to cook for a little bit. And the very fact that I'm comparing the Lenovo Duet to an iPad, an iPad, people, should tell you all that you need to know about the Lenovo Duet. So that's why, if you ask me today if someone should buy an iPad or a Lenovo Duet, honestly, there's no wrong answer, but I have to give it to the iPad. But not by much. Consider this your notice, Apple. You are not the only game in town anymore. And speaking of not the only game in town anymore, we've got the Kindle Fire HD 8 Plus in our labs for testing, and upcoming is our full review. And if it sounds a lot like our iPhone SE review, well, I guess we're just hard to please. So here it is. Is Amazon's latest tablet a winner? The Kindle Fire HD 8 Plus is Amazon's latest tablet to hit the scene. The Kindle Fire tablet has long been a really great consumption device for Kindle books, Prime videos, Netflix, you name it. When Amazon came out with this refresh, it added a couple of things that I was really excited about, and we'll get to that. This is our Amazon Kindle Fire HD 8 Plus review. And, spoiler alert, I'm going to screw up the name of this tablet at least once, maybe twice during this review. Just go with it. Or roast me. I really don't care. So let's get going. One of the hardest questions any reviewer has to answer is, just who the hell is this thing for? I mean, often you have to break it down into niches, or you have to get in the mindset of someone who is looking for just this piece of tech. And then there's the Amazon Kindle Fire HD 8 Plus. I know exactly who this tablet is for, and I should probably save this for the end of the review, but I can't because it's in your face. You ready? This tablet is for Amazon Prime subscribers. Full stop. That's it. See you later. So listen, we'll go over all the specifications and stuff in a bit, but this tablet is designed and manufactured explicitly to feed you Amazon content and sell you more Amazon content and use the Amazon content that you already own. If you are not an Amazon Prime subscriber, don't buy this tablet. Once again, full stop. 
We'll get to why that is in a bit, but first, let's get the particulars out of the way, starting with the hardware. This is an 8-inch 1200x800 IPS LCD display with unspecified glass cover that is a bit of a fingerprint magnet. On the side, you'll have a power button and a volume rocker. You'll also have a headphone jack and a USB Type-C port, finally. On the inside, you have a MediaTek Alphabet Soup processor that runs at 2 gigahertz and... It kind of feels like 2 megahertz, I'll be honest. 3 gigabytes of RAM, and under the back, you have wireless charging coils for the first time. There are two cameras on this tablet, but A, they're garbage, and B, they're on a tablet, don't use them, except for, maybe, video calls, and really then, only if you can avoid it. Our review unit came with 32 gigabytes of onboard storage, but you can spice it up with 64 if you're so inclined. Also, you can expand it with a memory card if you want to make this tablet somehow even slower. Our review unit also came with the wireless charging stand, which turns the Amazon tablet into a sort of Echo Show, which we will also talk about in a little bit. Battery life is pretty good on the tablet. You can get around 8 to 10 hours of video watching time, depending on where you have your brightness set. The speakers are not very loud, which is unfortunate, especially when my desk is sitting next to a box fan, washing machine, dryer, and central AC unit, at least one of which is running basically all the time. Not while I'm podcasting, of course. I mean, just listen to this sweet silence. But yeah, every other time, totally running. Of course, that's probably just a me problem and not a you problem, and it's also a me problem that I lost a good chunk of my hearing playing with my metal band in a basement at 120 decibels 20 years ago. So maybe they're just fine for you, but seriously, they're not loud enough. The big addition to the Kindle Fire HD 8 Plus is the USB Type-C charging and wireless charging. Now, on the Kindle Fire HD 8, you only get one of those USB Type-C. And here's a fun fact. I never really did a charging test for the Kindle Fire HD 8 Plus because I never wore down the battery. I used it plenty reading books and watching movies, but when I wasn't using it, it sat on the wireless charging dock and... We'll talk more about that in a bit, too. And you know what? I just realized, they keep saying we'll talk about that later, we'll talk about that later. Guess what? We're going to talk about that now. I put off this review by a few weeks because when I got the tablet, the charging dock hadn't come yet. At the time... I wasn't really sure how much a charging dock would account for my review, but I guessed it would be a fairly small percentage. Boy, was I wrong. Because it turns out this charging dock kind of makes the Kindle Fire HD 8 Plus worth a lot more. Because it turns an otherwise ordinary tablet into an Echo Show, which is both a blessing and a curse. First, let's talk philosophically about Amazon. Amazon wants to be where you get everything. Books, music, Movies, photo storage, and stuff. So, so, so much stuff. So it designed its tablet experience around all of that. You want to read a book? Here are thousands of books you can or already have bought. You want to watch a movie? Here are thousands of movies you can or already have bought. Here's some extra freebies. By the way, according to your order history, you might be low in detergent too. We've got that. This is a tablet designed to sell you stuff. And more importantly, to use the stuff that you've already bought. Now sure, you can pick up an iPad and get a lot, if not all of that same stuff, and more. But this tablet is 100 bucks. The cheapest iPad is $300, as we already talked about. The cheapest Chromebook you should buy is around $250, also that we just talked about. 
Now, the tablet itself is pretty slow, and the operating system, Fire OS, a.k.a. sorry, not sorry, Google, not Google, is really old and a nightmare from a design perspective. I mean, who designs an operating system with moving buttons? With a MediaTek Alphabet Soup processor in there, the tablet is slow, even with 3 gigabytes of RAM. But the thing is... This is not meant to be a horse. This is meant to be a consumption and purchasing machine, and that is absolutely it. Before we move past this point, I want to take a few minutes to talk about the Amazon App Store. Mostly, it's crap. I wanted to make this my only tablet for weeks and weeks and give it a proper review, but beyond movies and books, there's just not much to do on it. The App Store is, well, I don't want to call it a wasteland, but let's just say I wouldn't want a vacation there. Or go there at all, ever. There are some, I wouldn't call them triple A titles, but Clash of Clans, Yay, Bloom's Tower Defense, Woot, I guess, Asphalt 9. Those are really about the only tent poles I found. And let me tell you, there are a lot of broken tents there. Sorry, I followed that metaphor a lot longer than I thought I would. Most of what I found on the Amazon App Store fell into three categories. The first was legitimate apps. Very very small category. The second one was cheap copies, and I'm making up names here, but it's not uncommon to find Clash of Kings or World War II Sniper Duty or Rocket Royale. Ugh. Then there's the abandonware, games and apps that made it into the store, but haven't been updated in months or years, and don't work very well, or are just gross. I include the thousands upon thousands of useless apps in there that have cool trailers that turn out to be just ill-conceived. A Star Trek app that I downloaded and played for about five minutes before my brain started to bleed. It still wrinkles me. So, once you download the dozen, maybe dozen and a half, not useless apps from the store, you're left with a tablet that can play... I don't know, one or two games, and then watch hours and hours of content or read hours and hours of books. So that's nice. But I'm sorry to say, that's not the only place that the software starts to fall apart. Let's go back to that Echo Show thing. When you plot the tablet down in either portrait or landscape orientation, Qi charging kicks in. Yes, the good news is this is standard Qi charging, by the way, the coils are very specifically placed, and this is a stand, so you can't easily reposition phones trying to charge, and the LG V60 doesn't quite line up. So you can't just toss away your other Qi chargers. Oh well. Sorry. Saw something shiny and got distracted. So, getting back to the Echo Show thing, again. When you pop your tablet on, the tablet switches to, air quotes, show mode. If you've ever had an Echo Show... You know what this is like. You control everything through Alexa, asking questions, monitoring your ring doorbell if you have one, stuff like that. However, once the tablet is on the charger, you can't interact with it by touch. You can't bring up the main menu. You can't bring up any menu. You can't pick apps. This is the most annoying part. If you have a movie paused in Disney+, Plus or Netflix, or even Amazon Prime, you simply can't resume the movie. Well, maybe with Amazon Prime. If you can find the right audible command to relaunch the app, you'll be okay, but it's audio only, and that can be really frustrating, especially what happened often to me was I had a video paused, and I would either set the tablet into the cradle or just leave it paused for too long while it was already in the cradle, and 
boop, it popped into show mode. Yay, now I can't do anything. So what I had to do was tilt the forward a bit so the tablet popped out of show mode and then do whatever I needed to do to accomplish. It was really annoying. Now, I get that you can't slash wouldn't normally do this stuff on a show, but this isn't an Echo Show. This is a tablet wearing an Echo Show's clothing. If that's the case, you should be able to do tablet stuff along with the show stuff. This isn't hard. Put in a swipe or a gesture that gets you back to the main menu. That's all I'm saying. But with all that being said, having the tablet on the charging cradle works very well. Like I said, in the weeks since I've had the device, I've never plugged it in. I just set it on the cradle and let the charging do its thing. When a movie is actually playing, it works well. I can also ask for weather or adjust smart home settings or buy something, which, by the way, are the only three non-frustrating questions you can ask Alexa because Alexa is still a moron. But when it's off the cradle, it's nice to hold in one hand, although it's an admittedly large hand, and read a book. Once again, the performance is terrible, but you don't need performance to play a movie or read a book. Because at the end of the day, this is an Amazon machine and a consumption machine, and that's it. End of story. But that's okay. If you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, this is a great little tablet to pick up for under $100. Now, the big question is, is the extra RAM and wireless charging worth the extra money for the Fire HD 8 Plus? Well, that kind of depends. If you want the wireless charging and the wireless dock and a makeshift Echo Show functionality, then it probably is. But keep in mind, you're tacking on extra money for the dock as well, so it's not particularly cheap. It is fun, though, if you can get past the obnoxious software shortcoming. If you don't care about Echo Show functionality or the wireless charging, then just go with the Fire HD 8. You're losing a gig of RAM down to 2 from 3, and yes, the Fire HD 8 Plus is already pretty slow, and one less gigabyte of RAM will make this slow tablet slower, but how fast do you need it to be to watch movies and read books? Put simply, you don't need it to be fast at all to watch movies or read books, and you absolutely should not do anything else with this tablet. No spreadsheets, no email, no Zoom, even though all that's supported. You can do all that stuff, but really, don't. If you want to do all that stuff, one of the devices in my comparison earlier this show, the iPad or the Lenovo Duet, will do the job for you. But if you want a knockabout tablet, and by the way, Amazon markets these things as pretty sturdy, and I dropped mine quite a few times on wood and tile floors with no will effects. So if you want a knockabout tablet that you can read and watch movies on, then yeah, this is a good deal. Grab one, like today. Just like my iPhone SE review, I'm going to call this one... Good hardware, although not nearly as good as the iPhone, to be honest. But with the key weakness here is software. Software can always be fixed, so keep your fingers crossed. Actually, as this airs, Amazon's got these tablets on sale too, so there will be a link in the show notes to pick up any of these three devices. The Fire HD 8, the Fire HD 8 Plus, and the Fire HD 8 Plus with charging dock. As always, I might get a commission as an Amazon affiliate, but you'll be helping out the show. So be sure to let me know if you pick one up via email or via Twitter, and we can chat all about it. So that's going to do it for this abbreviated episode of the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'd like to thank Lenovo for providing the duet for review, although... 
As always, Lenovo got zero editorial oversight over this review. These are my words. It's a great little device, and, you know, let me know if you want me to do a full review of it. I'm happy to do it. It's a fun little tablet. Visit benefitofadow.com contact and hit me up if you want to hear more about this little convertible. As always, I'd like to thank Cliff Thomas for all of his hard work, but most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt. <laughs>